Hi guys, welcome back to the Amateur Parenting Podcast. We're glad that you could be here with us today. Um, this episode is going to be a book club episode. We haven't done one of those in a little while. So we're going to be going into um, Parenting by Paul David Tripp, where he discusses four, 14 gospel principles that can radically change your family. Um, but before we do that, Amy... What's your item moment for this week? Um, well, uh, over the past few days, we've been playing around with Ina. We've had her in our bed, um, just either in the mornings or before we go to bed. And she's been really scooting, and she's been inchworming. And eh, yesterday, would you consider yesterday like the first full crawl? I would say today. Okay. I mean, she's just been moving a lot today. Yeah. Ina has finally learned to crawl. Yeah. Um, she's six months and a week, a little over a week. Um, so she's moving. <laughs> yeah. Which throws us into a whole new phase of parenting. Yeah. She's been pretty easy to handle when she doesn't move. Yeah. She... I mean, even like getting her dressed, this doesn't have much to do with crawling, but getting her dressed and diaper changes, she's just moving so much now and it's so hard to get her dressed and mm -hmm. she hates it because she, even from the very beginning, she didn't like to be manipulated. Mm -hmm. She doesn't like you to move her limbs or anything like that. So now she's moving and you have to move her limbs to get her in her clothes and it's just frustrating to deal with but we are thankful that she's growing up and we're just blessed it's know. crazy that we've had her for already six months six months yeah and six more months she'll be a year old we're not thinking about that you're not i am <laughs> <laughs> um so, so yeah do you share that moment with me for the week it was kind of an epic thing for us yeah i guess so um i already used my listening to the birds mm. moment for last week. So yeah, the crawling has been big and we're wrapping up um, the Chronicles of Narnia. We're on mm. the last book now. And I think we have like, I read about a chapter a night and I think it's maybe 12 more chapters. So mostly he reads them to me, but yeah, I would like actually, to think that I know lulled to sleep by them tonight. Um, we have a, a turkey hen that has been wounded and Amy's been tending to her. So tonight I gave Anna her bath while Amy tended to our hen. And uh, now I got her changed and dressed for bed. And she was screaming because I sat her in her little shower chair to dry her off. And she rolled out of it and bonked her head on the wall. And anyway, I was going to just start reading to her then because I was in a hurry and I was frustrated. But I was like, you know what? Ina doesn't even care if I read, but Amy does. <laughs> so I really need to wait until Amy's in here to start reading. I figured you would get mad at me if I read without you. I would. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that's our shared moment. Um, for Beautiful Beginnings, this week has been super busy. Um, we got six new mothers on board this week, so... That's a lot. I mean, that's like two months worth of our normal um, quota. Yeah. Um, so six new mothers in one week. That's pretty phenomenal. And I mean, we're so thankful that the word is getting spread and that people are reaching out to us for the first time. Um, and we're having like referrals from friends. We got connected with the health department and, Guilford County and in Forsyth County, um, for those of you that are not from North Carolina, that is Greensboro and Winston-Salem. And for those of you that just still don't know where that is, that's okay. You don't have to. <laughs> it's close by. Those are the two nearest metropolises. Metropoli? <laughs> um, so, yeah, between the, two, between the two people that I talked to, so they're both department heads, um, there are about 500 clients between the two of them. And then they're getting us in touch with other clients. I mean, 
other department heads and it just looks like the doors are flying wide open and we're going to start seeing a real influx of um, new mothers coming to us. So we're kind of hanging on the <laughs> thread, I guess. Um, you know, I'm still working full time and we don't really have a lot of money coming in for beautiful beginnings. And this is just, a blessing in that, it is. Um, you know, it's, it's moving, it's continuing, continuing to move forward. And we've prayed um, really again that the word would get out there about what we do so that we can do what we do, that we can serve these mothers and families in this way and um, really being connecting. Um, it's opened up not only just families and mothers that we can serve, but it's also opened up more resources that we have connections with because yeah. um, we need them in order to share what we're doing and it, we need them to share what they're doing. Um, but of course with that, it's a big scary thing and we just have to keep trusting God to continue to get us through it yeah. <laughs> and provide what we need to be able to continue to do this. Yeah. And there's a, a little catch 22 among nonprofits and ministries. It's that, you have to have programs to get funding. Nobody wants to fund something that isn't working. So you have to be doing something in order for people to fund you. But you need funds in order to do something. And um, there's also a proverb uh, in, in Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, in the Bible, that says uh, something along the lines of, um, tend to your field before you build your house. And do the work before you get settled in. And so we're doing the work. We're really pushing forward. We're opening the doors. We're wanting more clients to come in because we, we trust that if we're tending the field, if we're doing the work, that God will provide the house, that he'll provide hopefully literally a house <laughs> for us to operate out of. Um, and that he will provide everything else that we need because I mean, these baskets are not cheap and we're probably, we're running out of what we already have, the stock that we already have. So we're looking at making our own out of um, like kindergarten mats. And that's the box um, with the sleeper mat that you're talking about. Yeah, it's a co-sleeper box. So you can actually have that in bed with you as a new parent. So if like a mother is breastfeeding, she doesn't have to get out of bed to go get her baby. She can just roll over, get the baby out of the box and breastfeed and then put the baby back in the box when she's done. Um, so it's a safe alternative to co-sleeping, which is just having your baby in bed with you. And that's not safe because you can roll over on your baby or if you have pillows or blankets, they can suffocate. But um, So this is a safe alternative and it's needed because a lot of people don't have a safe sleeping situation for their babies. So this is a very simple solution for it. But um, the company that we were using to get these went out of business, and now we're kind of... And they're the only one in the country. Yeah, they're kind of, as far as I know, the only one in the world that made these. So now we're going to make our own with kindergarten mats, like the mat mats, and um, like the cloth, almost mesh storage um, boxes that you can get at like Target or places like that. So we're going to try that alternative, hopefully, maybe, and that's not cheap. None of the stuff that's in these boxes is cheap. If you've ever had a baby, which I'm assuming you do if you're listening to a parenting podcast, you know that baby things aren't cheap. So um, we're really praying for funding to come in to support the growth that we're seeing, possibly to get a new house, and who knows, hopefully, maybe. This is not a house to live in. We want a oh, house no. um, to operate out of. and why you know at first we we're thinking well maybe we'll get like a rental space or something but really i don't know i guess it's kind of it's been more of your burden than mine and i'm just going along with what well, you are i with, i feel that a house would encompass everything we're looking for as far as a space to operate out of um right now we're just in a dingy little building and it's just the space for storage 
but we want something that um that we can have storage room um, with all the totes of the clothing and the items and then a workspace to be able to package the boxes but then also um a warm and welcoming main room um, like a living room that um, we can meet with people and clients have kids there um, hopefully host um, the Bible studies and classes and whatnot. I think we've mentioned that in previous episodes. Um, and also a house would provide uh, utilities like, you know, a sink and washer and dryer. Cause we do yeah. wash the clothes to make sure that they're clean when we give them out. Um, so as far as a good space to work out of and an opening welcome place to have people, um, that's why we want a house. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't for us. We need a house too. <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> that's, a, that's something completely different. That's on us. Um, but yeah. And then um, I've been praying about possibly doing this full time as a job and being paid. There's plenty of work There's to be full time. You're pretty so much, much are full time already. Yeah. Um, I'm doing enough work that I could be full time right now. Yeah. But the question is the funding. So, and again, I don't want to just get paid an X amount of money to do this amount of work. Like as the ministry grows, as they hire me on as a director, hopefully one day prayerfully, um, then the ministry will also continue to grow exponentially because then I have more time to invest in it and, yeah, but anyway, that's totally off topic. Um, that's beautiful beginnings business. And without further ado, let's get into our um, book club. Just a week. small recap. Um, if you're just joining us, this is chapter one. Yeah, we we did the introduction last time. Yeah, which was sometime in June. So if you haven't listened to that one, um, I recommend that you go back. Stop what you're doing. Don't listen to any more <laughs> until I tell you what to do. Um, go back, listen to the other one, and then come back to this one. Because, I mean, you're not going to be totally off or anything, but it just lays a little bit of foundation for what we're going to be talking about and what this book is. So, I said without further ado, and then we had further ado. Further <laughs> <laughs> ado. Uh, okay. So, again, this is Parenting by Paul David Tripp. All right, so this chapter, the first chapter, is called Calling, uh, and the subtitle is, or the topic, what, what's it called? Let me see it, <laughs> the first title page. I can't uh, find right it, Calling. Calling. The principle, I couldn't think of the way that he worded it, the principle is nothing is more important in your life than being one of God's tools to form a human soul. Uh, and that's kind of, that's what we are as parents. I mean, we are used by God to shape the character, the um, livelihood, the spirit even of this tiny human. Um, we kind of determine who they're going to be in the future. And we, we don't have control over everything, but we lay, lay a lot of groundwork for that. Um, so th there's nothing more important than that. There's no other opportunity that you have to make a greater impact in the world than in parenting. I mean, you go and what we're doing, giving the baby ba baskets to um, families that are in need. You know, those families, those parents, they already have their personalities, their character, they already have those things. And we can impact their lives, which we pray that we do, but we can't shape who they are the way that we can as parents. So there's nothing more important than this, this than parenting. No ministry, no um, job, no nothing. No other relationship is more important than, well... I won't say that no other relationship outside of marriage is more important than the relationship you have with your child. Ultimately 
your marriage relationship is the greatest relationship on the earth. And then, of course, your relationship with God is above all else. But anyway, tangent. Um, so, Amy, I'm going to ask you, what is your worst parenting experience so far as far as um, just the experience itself and then also your attitude about that? Um, well, I have gone through a bit of anxiety kind of comes in up and down waves. Um, and just adjusting to being a mother and just the time that we're in and being a part of social things and whatnot. Um, but one thing in particular is we live far away from everything. And we have to go at least a half hour to an hour away uh, for appointments, for grocery shopping, for anything we need to get out and do. Um, and Ina does not care for being in the car that long. And I don't blame her. Um, but when we go out to do those things, the car rides can be very, very, very stressful. Um, especially when she's just tired she's hungry and we're on the freeway and I can't just pull over and feed her or, you know, we're only 20 minutes from home and, but already going out, socializing, even just being in public, um, it's, it's draining, it's exhausting. And, um, depending on how I feel or what my attitude was before the trip by the end of it if Ina is not happy in the car ride I break down mm -hmm. um and recently we had a trip and I just lost it that um was awful. yeah that was a new experience for Luke and me <laughs> and yeah. it was embarrassing um and it's just hard and there's a lot of things I need to learn to work out. Um, I mean, it's anxiety. It's a struggle. It's a lifelong struggle. Um, there are habits. I know there's habits. I know there's my own, I know what my own limits are and what things affect me and make things worse. Um, but this was just something that happened and, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That so, was the worst. That particular time was the worst. I would agree. Yeah, that was but, probably the worst that we've both, not only like the experience itself, which was dreadful itself, but also like you were just, I don't want to say the word crazy, but that's the <laughs> word that keeps coming to my head. You, you were just crazy with anxiety. Like you... I mean, when I pulled over, you had to just get out and walk and I don't blame you. That's what I do when I'm feeling anxious. But, and then I was very frustrated because I just wanted to get home and I know was screaming and I thought we could just power through it. But Amy was like, not hyperventilating. Yeah. So, um, my attitude was wrong. Do you think you handled it as good as you could? have? No, absolutely <laughs> um, not. So that's a pretty bad experience. Um, and mine is kind of along the same lines as just when I don't know what she wants. And I experienced this with you too. <laughs> like, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what to do to make her feel better or to um, give her what she needs. And I just get so frustrated and like, I don't know what to do. And I'm, I don't, take it out on her necessarily, but I definitely don't have the best attitude about it. And I just, I don't know, be, I end up being more childish than she is and <laughs> wondering like, why are you even crying? Like nothing is wrong. I don't know. That's my worst parent characteristic, I guess, is my frustration with her and with you too. Um, but that's something that I need to work on that I need to have grace for, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, so how does that 
fitting fit into our calling as parents like how do we how would that car trip have been different if we had seen that opportunity that experience that circumstance as our calling as parents like we are called to this we are called to these moments to what i don't know what do we do um well it's a little more challenging now because we can't just explain to her like i'm not feeling well right now mm-hmm. and mommy had a bad attitude or you know i should not have lashed out as i did or i should have handled myself better um we can't just explain and reason with her yeah um to even just tell her you know people get upset and they get hurt and they get anxious and whatnot um but i know doing that for myself because she still hears and senses the environment and just being aware that she is affected by my outward attitude and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do we, even now when she's just six months old, do you think that we should be not necessarily asking her forgiveness, but explaining to her that we fail and that's humans we fail and that God's grace covers us. Yeah. If anything, just to instill the habit of doing that for ourselves so that she grows up always understanding that or always hearing that like a repetition for her. Yeah. Yeah. And we try that with a lot of other things. So I guess we need to start with the grace too, Mm -hmm. (laughs) giving ourselves grace and, Showing her that God has given us grace. Um, So that's kind of the introduction to this uh, chapter is he listed a bunch of different scenarios that were awful or uncomfortable. And then he kind of ended the introduction with uh, this is what we're called to (laughs) and how why would God call us to this if we had known that this was it? from the beginning, we would have run away. Like if we would have known that we are responsible for our child's view of God. And we're going to have to instill that even when she's screaming bloody murder going down the highway. Like that's enough to terrify you. (laughs) That's so insurmountable. It's like saying that you have to climb Mount Everest, pulling a train with you. (laughs) It's just impossible. And it just, it doesn't happen mm. one time. No. Like, and it doesn't only happen in the good times. This is going to be a continuation. Like, this is going to happen a lot. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of tantrums. There's going to be a lot of days where we're tired or we're um, not feeling well. And we have to still show her who God is, what he's done, and his grace for us. And that's a huge task, guys. I mean, you can't take that lightly. It's phenomenal. So the next section of the chapter is called Treasure Hunters. Um, Basically, he says, everything we do is in pursuit of some sort of treasure. Um, Whether it is possessions, success, even ministry, um, relationships, praise, something is a treasure to us and we live our lives according to that treasure. Um, And this is a question that he asks the reader. And I want to ask you, the listener, uh, if I were to watch with you the video of the last two months, what would I say is of true value to you? Conclude. That's what that word says. What would I conclude is of true value to you? So look back on the last two months of your life 
and just think about the things that you've thought, the things that you've said, and the things that you've done, and what is of true value to you. We already talked about this. Amy, what what was your answer? Um, planning for the uh, planning our home for the future. Oh, that's the right way to word it. Yeah. Um, but just we have a homestead, and I like to dream about how it's all laid out. Um, not just for aesthetic sake, and but I mean, Ina is going to grow up here, and mm-hmm. this food is going to provide for us. Um, but you, I do. Sorry, go ahead. I do take a lot of time thinking on it and sometimes it's well spent and sometimes it's not. That's what I was going to ask is, do you think it's always productive or does it get in the way? Do you think Yeah, sometimes it gets in the way? Yeah. Right. So, um, mine would be at least for the last two months, probably since we've been married at least, and especially since we had her, mine would be money. Um, and I don't think that's a good thing at all. I don't think there's any way to justify that other than wanting to provide, but we, we make it now. So God provides, not me. Um, but yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about money, thinking about the budget, thinking about the bills that need to be paid, thinking about, you know, maybe I can get an odd job next weekend to, um, make a hundred dollars so I can get a new pair of boots before the year's out because the soles are falling off of mine (laughs) and, or, uh, what if I don't have enough sick days to take for our trip to Michigan or not sick days, vacation days to take to our trip to Michigan or the sick days. If what if well, one of us gets the flu this winter and I don't have any sick days anymore. And yeah, so money and work and job and all of that stuff, even though I'm just a janitor guys, janitors are supposed to be like the most laid back people in the world because mm-hmm. the job itself is not that bad. I love my job. I just stress about my job. I, it's just something for me to stress about, especially money, because I don't get paid much as a janitor, of course. Um, he recommends that we read Matthew 6, verses 19 through 34. I'm not going to read the whole thing for time's sake, but I do want to read uh, three verses. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your heart is, there your... No, sorry. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, so basically he's saying that we can't lay up treasures for ourselves here on earth. We were just talking about this with my parents a little while ago. Like all of these awful things that are happening in the world right now with coronavirus and riots and cities are on fire and Chicago has fallen into basically a war zone and Christians are being killed in Nigeria, which is really nothing new, but it's happening at alarming rates. And there's just no respect in the world. There's no love in the world anymore. It's all hate and despair. But these awful things matter very, very little in the light of eternity. I mean, this year, 2020, which is probably going to go down in history as the worst year on the history books ever, at least for America. Um, it's not going to matter in a trillion years, which is going to be our first day in heaven. Like, that's just not going to matter. And the same thing goes for the good things. Our house, um, Amy, this one's directed directly at you, the way that the living room is arranged. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, the amount of money in our bank account or whether or not I got new boots this year, like those things don't matter in the light of eternity. So our treasure, what we really treasure should be eternity. And that's in our own lives. So salvation, um, you know, surrendering to Christ and allowing him to take over our life. That should be priority number one. And then after that is bringing as many other people as we can. And that starts at home. You can't just let the church do that for your child. That's your responsibility. 
you are the one that should be teaching your child about who Jesus is and what he's done. So that should be your treasure. Your treasure should be the gospel, and that should start at home with your child. Um, like I said, many things uh, can compete as treasures in our hearts. There's possessions. Um, that can be money, which I'm guilty of. The house and decorations, which Amy is guilty of. <laughs> uh, the yard, the car, the you name it. Anything that you can touch tangibly or gain materially, that can be a treasure that you place over parenting. Um, I can work too much trying to earn money to provide for my family. And I'm never here for my family. We've already had this discussion about, would you rather me be present or would you rather us not struggle as much? And you made the decision that you would rather me be present. And that's where we're at right now. So we struggle, but I'm here. <laughs> and I still stress about money. <laughs> and, you know, the living room may not be Instagram perfect. <laughs> but we're together and... Anna is going to grow up in a loving family that knows God, and she's going to know God, and that's more important. Um, success. This isn't one that I really struggle with. I don't think you do either, like being career-minded. and um, This is his unpopular opinion, and I've got to say I agree. If at all possible, someone should stay at home to take care of your child. Someone needs to do it that has a role in their life, not just a babysitter. That's my opinion, that's his opinion, and I think that's biblical. I'm 90% sure that's biblical. Um, and it's not always possible. I don't deny that. There are single parents out there that just can't. They have to work. I get that. There are other circumstances that dictate that two parents work. I get that. But if possible someone should be at home taking care of your child because you can't leave your child's life up to somebody else you can't leave their character development up to somebody else and you certainly can't leave their relationship with christ up to somebody else that's got to be you and if you're not there you can't do it um last is ministry and i'm definitely guilty of that um with beautiful beginnings just thinking that this is my purpose and this is my role now, but ultimately my purpose and my role is found here in my family and that's through Christ. So Amy, would you mind reading those quotes on page 27? Start on page 27. Um, thinking that their values are solidly biblical when they are consistently neglecting a significant part of what God has called them to. Um, so basically what he's saying is, People in ministry roles, whether it be pastors or like Amy and I as directors of a nonprofit, we think that because we're doing something good, all the sacrifices we make are for the good, even if that's family. And that's not true. Family is supposed to be your number one priority on this side of heaven. <laughs> um, next one in page 28. If you get your identity, meaning, and purpose reason for getting up in the morning and inner peace from your ministry, you are asking your ministry to be your own personal Messiah. And because, oh, nope, it was, that was the end of it. Yeah. Go to the next one that's marked. The... Okay. So if zeal for ministry causes me to be less than faithful to my calling as a parent in the way that I manage my time and energy, I am seeking to get something out of my ministry that I am not supposed to get. Guys, I got to admit, I'm guilty of this. And for one thing, I try to find gratification through beautiful beginnings. I want to feel good. And this is a way that I can feel good. This, I know that I'm doing something good. Um, that's not what the ministry is supposed to be about. That's not what any ministry is supposed to be about. Um, I also, I mean, I'll, I will admit it. I like people to recognize me. I like the accolades. I like people to say, good job, and those things. And that's not what it's supposed to be about. So when I'm pursuing beautiful beginnings and I'm sacrificing time with Ina and time with Amy, 
if it's unnecessary sacrifices, then I'm pursuing the wrong thing. I'm not pursuing the glory of God anymore. I'm pursuing my goals, my desires, and my need for gratification. And that's not good. So ministry, no matter how good it might seem, can also be a treasure that you value more than your family. Um, all right, so we're going to wrap up with this last section. It's called, Here is How God Values Parents. Uh, Amy, can you read from Deuteronomy, the, the Deuteronomy 6, the two passages he read out? Uh, so this is 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be a, fr a frontlet. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. And then it continues. When your sons ask in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our, before our eyes. And he brought us out from there, that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. And that was Deuteronomy 6, 20 through 23. Um, so there's two things that he wants that... Um, Paul David Tripp wants to point out here, and that's two responsibilities as a parent. You are responsible for your child's God consciousness and their God submission. Uh, it's not to say you are responsible for their salvation, and it's not to say that you must save them because you don't have that power. You can't change their heart, and as much as you can shape who they are, you can't shape their heart. Um, only God has that power, but you can make them aware of who God is. That's the God consciousness. Um, so we want them to know who Jesus Christ is, that he is the son of God. We want them, them, I say them, but Ina, our child, we want her to know that God is our creator and he is our um, most intimate lover and that he orchestrated all of history so that he could save us from our sins through the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection and then bring us into eternal glory with him through the sanctification of the church and all those things that happen in Revelation when we're brought to heaven to be with him. So God orchestrated all of history to be with us. And that's not that we are ultimately important. This is all for his glory so that we worship him, so that we glorify him as our creator, as he intended for us to do. Um, so we have to, as parents, we have to make sure that Ina understands who God is, his character, and not just the good stuff either, because just as, as equally as God is loving, he is also um, ju just, and he is the judge of the world. So there it's hard for us as humans to um reconcile the two because we're so polar we think that if you are a judge that says you know you've done wrong and now this is your punishment we think that's not very loving but that's not true that's not true at all um god has given us opportunities throughout history and we're on that slippery slope to hell <laughs> most of the time and sometimes he saves us out of it and sometimes he doesn't but we can't say that he's unjust he's perfectly just and that's why he's also perfectly loving if that makes any sense at all try to relay that to your three-year-old <laughs> um 
And then the second thing is God's submission. So we have to not only tell her who God is and why he's important, but we have to explain to her, like, mommy and daddy have surrendered our lives to Christ and what that means, that we have died to ourself, that we no longer think about ourselves, our goals, our ambitions, our desires, but now we pursue the things of God, his goals, his will, his desires, and we make them our own. And by doing that, by setting that example and by showing her that we have done that, then prayerfully she will do that one day. And I can't imagine any greater joy than when that day comes. I'm really looking forward to the day when Ina comes up and tells me that she has accepted Christ into her heart. And yeah, I'm just going to be blown away. (laughs) Um, And we also need to tell her about what God has done in our life. So um, telling her about our past mistakes and God's grace through those things, how God brought us as a couple together, um, telling her the hard times and the good times when God was present, and then also telling her historically about what God has done, and how he saved his people out of bondage in Egypt. That's what that passage in Deuteronomy was about, um, how he consistently disciplined them through other nations and bringing them to him, trying to bring them to him and then how he brought Jesus Christ to the earth to die for us, to live a perfect life, to die for us and to be resurrected. And then how the apostles um, then preached the word and they spread the gospel and teaching her even church history. I think that's so important to know, like, why we are still around 2,000 years later as Christians. This started with 12 men following Jesus, and now it's a worldwide phenomenon. It's just mind-blowing that that happened in 2,000 years. And, I mean, it's starting to dwindle now, I think, but it's still, I think she needs to understand the importance of where we came from. Um, can you read the quote on uh, page 30? Now, although God in grace has placed you and your children in a physical world that constantly points to him, your children came into the world with a devastating problem. Your children had the perverse and life-changing ability to look at the world around them and not see God. They will consistently see the signs, the created world, but they will consistently fail to see what the signs point to the existence of God, the existence and glory of God. And if you don't acknowledge God, not only are you a profoundly (laughs) disadvantaged human being, but you will then insert yourself in the middle of your world and make it all about you. Children don't acknowledge God. will act as if they are God and will resist the help and rescue that God has provided for them through their parents. Excuse my reading. That's okay. Um, That's humbling for us as well, because it's up to us for our child to know God. She's not, she might learn about him somewhere else. She will, if it's God's will for her to be saved, she will be saved. But it's our responsibility. And if it's not through us, then we're accountable for that. And yeah, and if we're not living a life surrendered to Christ, if we're living selfishly, how can we expect her to live any differently? And if we demand our way through our rules and our regulations of her life, if the, especially if they're not biblical then how is she going to learn selflessness and grace and love? If we just say, you know, you can't do this because I'm the parent. I make the rules. You follow the rules. If we never explain why properly, then she's going to be at a disadvantage. Could you read the quote on uh, page 31? When your child questions the rules, don't puff up your chest and tell him 
He better obey or else. Talk to him, ba, a loving redeemer who not only created him, but shed his blood for him so that he could know and do what is right. So when your child breaks a rule, they did not sin against you. You are not righteous enough to be sinned against. (laughs) They sinned against God. And so they don't need you to tell them how wrong they are. And they don't need you even to forgive them, really. What they need is to be pointed to the one who has the power and authority to forgive them. And if it's a sin against God, if it's a sin, period, then you should always be pointing them back to their Redeemer. Always. You should never let let that go. You should never just um, make that your rule and never explain to them that it's also God's rule and that when they break that rule, they've sinned against Him. And they need to be pointed back to their Redeemer. They need to restore that relationship with Him. And if it's a rule that you have that's arbitrary, that it's not necessarily a sin, but it might be a good thing, like for their safety or something, like Ina, you know, don't play with those fireworks, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, explain to them why not. Explain to them the, the reasoning behind it. And you don't have to explain yourself all the time, like, once she is old enough to understand that she can get hurt by doing things, you don't have to you know, treat her like a baby and say, well, honey, you could get hurt doing that. You should say, well, you ought to know better <laughs> <laughs> because she ought to. But I don't know. There's something that you've said a lot about us disciplining her that I really like. Um, we shouldn't just discipline. We should make a disciple. We should teach. We should Uh, instruct her on the right way to do things and not just correct her for the wrong way of doing things. Mm -hmm. I really like that. I think that's biblical. Um, I'm going to close with this little section from the uh, book. It said, this isn't a quote, but he's just saying that God didn't make a mistake by making you a parent. You might think that you might think that you're not good at it. You're, You're probably not. None of us are. I don't think there's a good parent out there. There's nobody good, so therefore you can't be a good parent. (laughs) Um, But God didn't make a mistake putting you in your child's life and putting your child in your life. Your child is there to be taught by you. And we all struggle throughout life wondering, what's my purpose? And, oh, if only I had some direction in my life. If you have a child, you have a purpose. You have direction. Your purpose is to raise that child to know God. If you, oh, go ahead. And I would say that as a parent, you have a, the role to create a foundation in them that should give them should guide them in their direction yeah. so that they don't even really question that. Yeah. I mean, they're set up that you've raised them to understand who they are and what their purpose is through Christ to be able to leave your home and go off on their own just with confidence because yeah. they already have that established and now they can go do their work and do whatever. Yeah. I will say that, I think we covered this in the introduction. If your identity is not yet grounded in Christ, then you're going to fail as a parent because you're going to try to place your identity on them. You're going to try to place your identity on your job, on something else that's either too much for them or too little for them. So your identity has to be in Christ. You have to know who you are in Christ, and then you have to pass that knowledge on to them. And you also need to know grace. You need to understand that Christ died for you, that he lived a sinless life, that he fulfilled the law, that he didn't just abolish the law. He didn't just come and say, hey, guys, do whatever you want. He came to say, guys, do you realize what the law is? It's not there for you to just follow blindly. It's there to show you that you can't be good enough. And then after that, he died for us. He said, He showed us through his death that we can have a relationship with God, that we can have 
a right standing with him, not through our works, but through the work that he accomplished on the cross. And then through his resurrection, he gave us hope for eternity and salvation. And if you haven't accepted that, then you're failing as a parent. I can't say it any other way. I'm sorry. But if you are not in Christ, you're going to fail as a parent because your only purpose, your number one purpose as a parent is to bring up your child to know Christ. And they won't know him if you, well, you can't show them him if you don't know him. So I want to encourage you that if you don't know who Christ is, if you don't have him in your life, that personal relationship with him, if you've not surrendered yourself to him, if you've not died to yourself to be born again in him, then do that now. Because if not, you're not the only one who's going to pay for it. Your spouse will pay for it. Your child will pay for it. The people around you will pay for it. And I'm not saying that they're going to go to hell because of you, but they're not going to have the life that they should have because of you. You're not going to be fulfilling your purpose, and therefore they're not going to fulfill their purpose. And that's your fault. And there's no way to explain it any differently. What? It's not your fault? This. It is. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You just... Your eyes got really wide and looked at me. I was like, I'm sorry. Did I say something wrong? It's the hard truth. It is. And yeah, I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but I'm glad that if it does hurt your feelings, then hopefully you'll be hurt enough to turn to Christ. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I guess we're going to wrap up now. I think this is probably one of our longer episodes. I've had to re-record like three times. Um, If you like what we're doing, leave us a review on iTunes, I guess. I think that's the most popular place to leave reviews. I I am not an Apple guy, so I really don't know. Um, Apple Podcasts is what it's called now, too. Leave us a review, a five-star review, please. (laughs) And uh, if you can't do that or if you don't want to do that, because Lord knows I listen to enough podcasts and I've probably only left like one a review because I can't figure out Apple podcasts. Um, just recommend us to a friend. You have parent friends. I'm sure everybody knows somebody that's a parent and just recommend us to them and let them listen in. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at amateur parenting podcast, or you can go to bebeginningsministry.org and click on the amateur parenting um, tab and there you will eventually find show notes I was supposed to get them up this past week but we've been really busy with uh, new clients coming in and also some financial things with beautiful beginnings so um, yeah getting reports together for our quarterly meeting all that stuff um, yeah hopefully there will be show notes up some point in the future sometime <laughs> so be on the lookout for that uh, if you'd like to give to Beautiful Beginnings, you can do that also at bebeginningsministry.org. Um, you can click on the Donate tab, and you can become a pledge donor to support us monthly, or you can make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us in prayer. Fill out the form, let us know how you're praying for us, and we would be eternally grateful to you for that. Um, is that everything? Did I do all the things? I think so. All right. That wraps it up. That, that just about does it. <laughs> Toodles.